care of uh, us. Feed us. <laughs> Making sure we're healthy. She keeps secrets from my dad. Hi. Mom gives me great hugs. She's safe. She doesn't tell her uh, dad. My mom didn't um, share uh, her food. My mom's nice to me. She dance funny. She says funny words. Sometimes we'll be driving and she'll get mad at someone and she'll like call them names and stuff. <laughs> She put her keys on top of a bowl of food and put the bowl, so she wouldn't forget it, and put the bowl of food in the fridge. Um, later when school was finished, she's like, where's my keys? So she, then she asked Aaliyah and Gavin, and they're like, I don't know, you didn't hand me your keys. And then and everyone, almost everyone in the school ends up trying to find my mom's keys, and then uh, one of us opens the fridge door, and they there they were in the fridge, just sitting there. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I told them in first service, you guys better be behaving. You never know when we're going to interview your kids, and the video is going to just pop up. My goodness. Well, there's nothing like those sweet faces, especially on a day like today. And I just want to say welcome again. If you are a guest in the house, we are so honored that you are here today visiting with us. My name is Brittany, and my husband Josh and I are the lead pastors here at Greenville First, and we're so excited that you are here joining online. And first and foremost, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. I know we keep saying it, but we're going to say it because, girls, it's all about us today, right? And here at Greenville First, we believe that we take moments, and we honor, and I hope every lady, mother or not, you feel special today, you feel seen today. I also want to very intentionally say something before we hop into our message, but I understand and I believe that we are all on this journey of motherhood, of womanhood, in different locations and different spots, and I think that as incredible as Happy Mother's Day might mean to you, and you might be re receiving that and hearing that and be on the highest mountaintop, Today may be the best day for you because it's your first Mother's Day with your newborn. I understand that in that same breath, we have some who might be grieving when they hear Happy Mother's Day. They may have gone through a loss of a mother themselves or a loss of a child. And then there may be others who, your family, it looks different. It looks different than the biological mother definition that we might think of in our culture today. And for some of you, you don't have a baby yet, but you're still very much desiring it too desiring to have one, and you're on that journey called infertility. And so I don't say that to dampen the mood, but I say that to say we honor each spot on that line. And I love in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored. Every part rejoices with it. And so today, despite any circumstance or situation, high or low, wherever you find yourself, 
I want to stop and I want to pause and say a prayer over every single lady as we suffer and we rejoice together. Is that okay? God, right now, I just thank you, Lord, for every woman in this room or joining online. God, it doesn't matter our age, background, circumstance, story. What I love about you is that you know every single detail. And God, I pray today, God, whether we find ourselves in the valley or the highest mountaintop, because this is a day of celebration, God, I pray that you would meet us here right now. For those mourning, God, we ask for comfort. For those going through infertility, we ask, God, for your will, your plan. God, that you would help them and ensure them to know and strengthen them that you are right there. You've not forgotten, for you are working. And God, today, for the discouraged mothers, maybe mothers who have children who've gone away, and there needs to be redemption and restoration. I pray right now that you would be with their broken heart. And today, Lord, for those rejoicing, God, we rejoice. And God, we thank you, God, that we can find joy in you and we can celebrate. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You feeling good? Well, hey, I do want to tell you just a little thing, girls, before you leave. There is a photo booth in the courtyard in the back. And I met with each and every one of these men, and I met with all your children individually before service, and they've all already agreed. They are excited about the photo booth. They cannot wait to take a picture with you, and they're even going to stay seated at the photo booth for you to check your picture. And if you don't like it, they are down to do it again, okay? So today, that photo booth is there for you. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there are some pink boxes that are hanging around that are also there for you today as well. That is your homework, girls. It doesn't matter, mother or not, every lady in the house, we want you to take that fat-free, sugar-free cookie home and enjoy it. And if you don't, you're in trouble because I cannot be stuck here with all these cookies. You got it? I was laughing because some of the ladies this couple weeks ago in our sisterhood Bible study, they were asking, like, Pastor Britt, are the pink boxes coming back? this year. And usually, like, I don't do the same thing. I want to have surprises, but I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you just need a pink box in your life. And once you've had it, you know, you got to have another one. But I'll tell you, one of the ladies admitted that last year she had taken that pink box home and she had put it in a little safe spot for some alone time later that she was planning. Mamas, you understand, you got to have a moment and sometimes you got to savor it. And so the night came, Mother's Day was ending and she went to get her pink box, and she said, and I went, and it was gone. And I'm going to tell you something, girls. For a year, she's been holding on to that. So, men, I don't know if they'll be as nice to you if that happens again, but you leave the pink boxes alone. But, girls, I'm just teasing. You guys make sure you grab one. It's going to be a good day, amen? Well, last week, we kicked off a new series called Family Values. And Pastor Josh did, Josh did such an incredible job just bringing this first family value home for us. When we're building a Christ-centered home, what does that look like? What are the staples? What are the values that we look to scripture to find that are so important? And last week we learned the ultimate foundation of our home is Christ. And in that, he has given us a word, his word, his, by the Bible, as the ultimate guide for us and our families. And we are not called to just read it and to hear it, but to put action to it, to be doers of the word. And so this morning, we're going to hop right in with the second family value. Felt so fitting on Mother's Day to be talking about family anyway, right? But the family value we're going to hit today is this, serving others. 
also so fitting for Mother's Day. I think that um, if we took two seconds to raise our hand and take a poll, that's all the time we would need for us to all agree that putting others before ourselves is not always the easiest or the first response. It's not the way we were born. It's not the natural thing that we are made to do. It takes work and it takes intentionality to be able to do that. And if it didn't, it wouldn't be a staple. It wouldn't be a value we've got to talk about today. It wouldn't be something that is going to take discipline in our life. It wouldn't be something that would be long-lasting to others if it didn't require the work. Because we weren't born selfless. We were born actually quite selfish. And I think if we miss this value today, we miss it all. It is that important that we learn and that we teach that serving others is a big deal. And the only place that we have to look to figure this out is God's word. You know why? Because we're not going to be learning this in the world that we live in. This is not a lesson that's going to be taught and sent home about in the world that we live in. I don't know that you've, if you've realized lately, but our society is like a tad self-centered. Everywhere you look, self-gratifying, self-centered, selfish, self-promoting, selfie-driven. There's self-fulfillment and self-care information everywhere that you need to find. Finding yourself, finding your potential, finding your identity, finding your meaning. You get it? Self-improvement. We are consumed by self. In fact, just this week when I was Googling self-promotion, over one trillion searches came right back to me within 0.5 seconds. That quickly, there's so much information at our fingertips. Self, self, and self. And I wonder, it's so easy for our kids and our families and ourselves and those older than us and gone before us. It's so easy for us to flip back to the all about me bubble. But you guys, that, that is exactly the opposite of the way that Jesus lived. It's the opposite. And see, I believe this morning, I know it's Mother's Day and, you know, like shout out to the ladies in the room, but this is not just for them. This is for all of us. This is a lesson for everybody, every background, generation, whether you have kids, grown kids, young kids, no kids, whether you're still a student yourself, this is a value and it's a posture of our heart that's going to be key to building a Christ-centered home. And so as we look today, we'll look none other than the life of Jesus. He is the best example that I could give to you for serving others. And what we'll find is that it begins and ends with just that, service, serving others. This is one of the values that are closest to his heart, and I know that because of how many times he modeled it and how many times it's mentioned in Scripture. And so today, if you are taking notes, our main idea, if you forget everything except for this, this is what I want you to take. You are most like Jesus when you are serving others. You are most like Jesus when you are serving others. And so as we begin to look into the core of his value, I want us to examine a few stories of Jesus. Note some lessons that he's going to be teaching us as we can take them home to our homes, to our families, to our lives. Let's pray really quick. Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you, you speak. God, you do what only you can do. God, your presence is here. God, I pray that I would not be me. It would be you speaking, Jesus. Do what only you can do. Challenge us. Change us. Let us hear some things, God, and receive it in a way that we've never realized before. Have your way. 
Amen. And so this morning, we are going to be picking up on our first story in Mark chapter 10. And here you're going to find Jesus is with his disciples. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I kind of wish that like there was a chapter before where I'm reading to tell me what was going on and like a chapter after to tell me how it ended. Sometimes I don't always get all the details that I want in the story. But here we find, as best as we can tell, the disciples and Jesus are hanging out and the disciples are kind of having a little bit of a, not an argument, but a dispute on some topics of greatness, the topic of greatness. They are asking things like, who is going to be great? Who will be the greatest? What is the reward that I'm going to get when I'm the greatest? When I do all the great things, what am I going to get? And so two of them end up speaking up, and we're going to pick up in verse 35. It says this, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Oh, really? I'm thinking, hmm. Could you imagine Jesus' brain? He's like, all right, boys, let's go. What, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus says in verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Oh, we can, they answered. And so they have some dialogue, and I'm going to skip down to verse 42, and it says, Jesus calls them all together. He's like, mm-mm, huddle, bless. Y'all are already struggling. Let's go ahead and bring it in. We're all missing it. And Jesus says this, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And then the, all their jaws drop, right? And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus is saying, oh, dear disciples, I love y'all. But y'all dumb, you missing it. You, you, we're not even close. We're not even close. That was the Britney version, sorry. Jesus is saying, I'm not exactly going to measure greatness how you guys have seen it measured. I'm not measuring it by how this earth, the people on the earth and how we measure it in our self-centered society. The leaders that you have, that I'm not like them. What you don't understand is I'm not looking for the things that they look for. Things like money and power and status and position and self, self, self and how many you have under you and what ladder you're on at your company. and Uh-uh, you're missing it. That's not how this thing works in the kingdom of God. You want to measure how I measure, disciples? Serve others. You want to drink from my cup? Serve others. You want to touch my heart? Serve others. You want to be like me? Serve others. You want to be great? Serve others. Because in our first lesson today, because true greatness is found in serving others. True greatness is found in serving others. And in this moment, could you imagine their minds are blown? They had just had this whole dispute, and when they finally bring it to Jesus, they realize, oh, Lord, we were not even close. And it baffles them. You know why? Because 
It's not how we were born. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. And we mess it up all the time, don't we? We have the best intention. We want to be all things for all people. But before we know it, the self-ambition comes back. We are conquering our goals. The things that you're doing, oh, you're doing them because you do want to be great. And you do want to impress everybody, your coworkers, your friends, your family. And all of that is great. And for some of you, it may not even be a self-ambition thing. It may be more of like a self-complacency thing or a self-comfort where, quite honestly, you're just really comfortable how you are and how you live. But if you're honest, when we come up to the surface, it's very easy to see, I'm not serving anybody but myself. I'm not serving any others. And what we're talking about today is what it looks like to build a Christ-centered home. We've got eyes watching I've got world changers coming up behind me. I am trying to build a foundation that's going to stand firm through the storm. And I need them to understand God's not, he's not up there counting gold medals. No, he's watching the serving scales. He's watching the serving scales. And it's in every bit how we serve others. That's when we are most like him. Because you're most like Jesus when you're serving others. And you guys, it's a hard lesson for us, but you can give yourself a break because bless the disciples, they still aren't getting it. And so we're going to hop over and, and Luke, and we're going to find Jesus and his disciples. They're back together again. They're together all the time. What am I talking about? But we find them this time sitting around the table at the Last Supper. And what's kind of funny, not funny, is that they're beginning to have a dispute again. Same topic, you would have thought, you know, the whole greatness feel, huddle with Jesus, we got it, it clicked, it's good. No, 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 no. They're talking about it again. In fact, Luke twenty two twenty four 24 says, a dispute arose among them as to which one of them would be considered the greatest. Here we go again. <laughs> kind of made me giggle a little bit when I was studying because I started thinking, how many times do we have the same conversation with our kids? And it's still in clicking, you know. Even Jesus himself had to show patience, friends. It's okay. We can do this. We got to keep going. <laughs> but what does he do? They're asking the same question again. And in verse 26, it says this, you are not going to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? The world would say that it is, but not Jesus. I am among you the one who serves. Don't miss this. What happens in this moment, we're sitting around the table, and again, they're stunned. Oh, Lord, back to the serving thing. Lord, we already forgot. And Jesus is trying to get it through their heads. You guys don't understand. And so to seal it, to nail it in, he, he stands up and he grabs a towel. And what does the Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords do? He begins to wash every one of their feet. Can I tell you in tradition, it's like when you have a guest coming into your home, you know a lot of times we'll be like, hey, can I get your coat for you? Do you guys want to drink? It's our way of hospitality, right? Back then, when a guest would come over, they would, have, they would have gotten their servant to come and to get a towel and to wash their guest's feet. That would have been customary. That would have been what they would have done. 
But Jesus is not calling someone to come and do this job for him. He's not calling anybody else because what he is showing them right now is what this serving thing looks like. And he says, no, I'm going to show them. I'm going to be the example. And he begins to wash the feet of the disciples, the most humbling service that anyone could do, washing the lowest, most dirty part of their body, saying to him, this is how I measure greatness. This is how I measure greatness. And he looks up and he says, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. And you guys know what I realized? As he's doing this, even more, I love it even more. Nobody's taking selfies for Instagram while he serves. There's no crowds of people. There's no media press conference coming to give him attention and applause on the back. No. It's in this moment he is serving others. And he is serving those who were the closest to him. In the most private, closed-off quarters. But he paints this beautiful picture of what it looks like to serve. And it hit me. Serving starts in long before it's shown out. And it's in the physically unseen place in this room, the upper room. No one can see him. He's not getting credit for this. Physically, he's not seen. And spiritually, he is teaching us serving starts in the spiritual, the unseen posture of our heart. It's in the unseen. That's where the greatness lies. That's when we're building a Christ-centered home. It starts in before it goes out. And we have an example to set. And it's the mindset to know there may not be a pat on the back coming for you. There may not be a reward coming for you after. Paul warns us of this. He tells us in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Paul's trying to tell us, listen, don't do it to be recognized. Don't do it to move up the good job ladder. That is missing the entire point. We're doing it to be more like Christ. Because you and I, we're the most like Jesus when what? We're serving others. When we're serving others. And this shift from public to private and myself to others, it's so countercultural. The disciples are baffled again. They're baffled. But it takes work. And honestly, you guys, it takes heart surgery. It takes heart surgery for this to really go down deep. But can I tell you today, when no one else sees it, he sees it. To you mamas, I know dads too, but I'm giving the moms the credit, okay? To you mamas who are doing all the things no one sees, you don't think no one sees, no one's giving you a pat on the back, your kids, they haven't said thank you in like two months, he sees it. It's fine, you keep going, girl. It's the hours that... You as the, the sole caregiver, maybe of a loved one or a friend. It's the hours that you're putting in, making the meals, taking care of him. You are exhausted. And maybe nobody sees it, but he sees it. It's the smile that you give someone at the store. It's the door that you hold. It's the bill that you pay forward because you see someone needs that bill, knowing they're not paying you back. This is the moment where we realize it starts in here. Because all that outside reward stuff... That's not true greatness. That's not where we measure our greatness. See, in a world where 
everybody gets a trophy. I need our boys to understand that it's not about them. It is my job. It's our job to teach them that serving others, buddy, that's how, that's the, that's how you get close to Jesus. That's how you're most like him. And I just think that it starts at home. I need them to understand it's cultivated at home and it's in their hearts. Practically speaking, can I just tell you, total confession, we don't pay our boys to do their chores. We're used to. But I learned a valuable lesson. If you do, that is totally fine. Dave Ramsey told us to, right? We can all blame Dave. But you know what I learned? That little Jensen, our five-year-old, he got excited about his check chart. He wanted to get those checks, and he knew all his checks. It gave him a dollar. And my boy would go around, and let me tell you something, he would do all the things. But the minute he put that pillow on his bed, you better believe he needed his dollar. And it began to hit me. I don't want my boys to be taught that you serve others for a reward. I'm setting them up for failure. And maybe for your kids, it didn't twist that way like it did for mine. My, mine worked the system, okay? They got too smart for their own good. We had to change that. We had a family meeting just a few weeks ago, and we decided, hey, you're going to do chores because we serve others. You're going to do chores because you're part of this family. You're going to do chores because we all are a team, and we're going to help each other out. And that's why we're going to do our chores. But <laughs> you guys are crazy. But listen, we do got to teach in Financial Peace University, right? So we had to have a new plan in place so Dave wouldn't get mad at us. So now we read them, we, we read them, we pay them for every completed book that they read. That's our new deal, okay? So we're going to teach literacy, but they're going to know how to serve others in our home. That's what we're doing today. Now, that better not be the only thing you remember about this whole entire sermon. That's all I'm saying, okay? <laughs> no, in all seriousness, it's also why... Even on reach days, we have reach days, we have outreach days at this church, and there are so many Saturdays, you guys, it would be a lot easier for me not to bring my kids. Me and my husband are the pastors of this church, and it still would be easier not to bring our kids. There's plenty of projects that they can't really do at five and seven years old, but I drag them anyways because I need them to understand there's more to life than you. There's more to life than you, and I don't care if you just go pick up some trash for 30 minutes and then you get tired. That's cool, dude. You just serve some people for 30 minutes, and I need you to remember this moment because we're building a Christ-centered home. We're building it on a firm foundation. This week I was reading in um, Focus on the Family. They were highlighting this pa parent book, and there was a quote that stuck out that I'm going to read to you, and it says this, Parents do their children a disservice by sheltering them too much from the world's suffering. Eventually they are so protected from it they don't even realize the need to care or see the why. And I'm fully aware that we don't all have kids. And you're, you're probably thinking, Britt, like, why are you talking about kids so much? I don't have kids. Here's the deal. We as adults forget this. We as adults forget to care because we get so consumed. We wake up one day and realize, like, there is junk going on in this world and people need us. What are you doing there's greatness to be found, but it's not in the ways that we are told. It's not in the ways that we are modeled and, and, and have examples of. It's not the world. It's the word that's going to teach us that. And so, you guys, we can say all the great words, hit the great goals and do the great things and still not be very great if we neglect serving others. Because we're most like Jesus. 
when we're serving others. And this morning, I think it takes a lot of reminders. We can see that with the disciples. We can't blame them, can we? It's hard. But I want you to understand if we do forget this value, there's going to be danger zones that are going to creep in that we've got to be careful of. These are things that will trickle down to our children for sure if we're not careful. And so heading into our second lesson this morning, I want to hop into the book of Luke in chapter 17. And here again, we find Jesus. And he is walking through the town and he's about to encounter 10 men with leprosy, 10 lepers. This is the story of the 10 lepers. And these men are isolated, they're outcasted. Scripture says that they stood afar off because by law, they could not come any closer. Can I just pause here and say, I'm so grateful for a God who came to serve all of us despite our condition, despite our flaws. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that he does not cast us aside depending on the things that the world might. And so here they are so desperate. They need a change. They need a miracle. And we're going to pick up as he's walking through the town in verse 13. It says this, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed because by their action, their faith healed them. But one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. He thanked him for he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except the foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Our next lesson this morning is this. Serving others reminds us of how we've been changed. It reminds us of how we have been changed. See, in this moment, only one out of the 10 came back. And hear me clearly, Jesus didn't say, where are the others? Because he needed thank yous. Jesus was going to be just fine. He didn't need that. What he realized is the heart of this man. What he realized and what we're learning is that because this man remembered what had just happened, how he had been changed, how Jesus had absolutely given him the miracle he was looking for, what had been done in his life, there was something inside of him that needed to give back, to serve back, to say thank you. And what Jesus says, your faith has made you well. In other words, good job, sir. It clicked for you today. Your body was healed, but your heart was shifted. You, my man, you had heart surgery. One out of 10 got it. They understood. We can serve others knowing how much Jesus has changed us. Let me rephrase that. We can't help but serve others because of how he's changed us. There's something that makes us, it comes out of us. It makes us be the man who came back. And we got to keep coming back because we're reminded of how good he's been, how much he's changed us, where I came from. I may not be where I want to be, but I am not where I used to be. And I'm going to keep saying thank you through it all. But what about the nine? Where did they go? This is the danger zones I was mentioning earlier. These men, they were in the lowest of the low, needed a miracle. They were desperate. They got what they wanted, didn't they? They were healed. 
And we can hear reminders all morning long about serving others. But can I tell you, true greatness is putting others before yourself. But in a split second, it's so easy to forget how good he's been. It's so easy to look back and remember where we were because life is going good right now. See, their self was fixed. But the heart, the light switch of self-focused flipped on. And things, if we're not careful and we're not building that discipline, things like entitlement, things like pride, things like self-ambition and self-image, self-self-self, jealousy, division, envy, when we forget to serve others, the enemy likes to use these things to creep them back into our spirit. And before you know it, you're back in that all about me bubble, doing your thing, building your kingdom. John Maxwell puts it like this. He says, if we aren't careful, the I serve turns into the I deserve. And these nine leopards, uh uh-oh, they forgot real fast, didn't they? He says, it's impossible to be both entitled and grateful. You don't get to have both. You've got to choose. And if we're building a Christ-centered home, these are the things that have to be taught. They're hard lessons, but they're important lessons. And what Jesus has shown us here in this story of the lepers is this. You worried about the danger zone? Your antidote is gratitude. You ever notice the more you serve others, the more grateful you become? The more you realize, oh my goodness, how blessed I am. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me and how you provide for me and a new meaning for my life. Thank you for making me new. You guys, I can't risk being like the nine in my home. It's, it's the reason why we have intentional conversations about how good God is. It's, it's why we started a memory jar this year so that my boys, we can make notes all year long of all the good. The things we're thankful for, our memories together, and we can stop at the end of the year and look back and say thank you. Because I don't want to forget where I've come from. I don't want to forget his goodness and his mercy. It's helping my family to understand that he has changed me so much, I can't help but to serve others. It's how we say thank you to God himself. Did you know that? See, as we begin to look at our final story today, in Matthew 25, Jesus is with his disciples again. And they're talking about how things will look later, what's to come. And Jesus uses the example when he's talking about you know, in, in the glory of God, in God's glory, how he will distinguish all the men. And he uses the, the um, metaphor sheeps and goats, but basically what he's trying to say is it's going to be very easy to distinguish between them because of their service to others. And Jesus looks at them and he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And when I needed clothes, you clothed me. And when I was sick, you came and you prayed and you cared for me. And when I was in prison, you came and visited me. And when I needed a place to go, you brought me in. And the Bible tells us in Matthew that the righteous will look and say, what? We didn't, we didn't do all those things. What are you talking about, Jesus? I don't remember doing all of those things. But in Matthew 25, 40, it says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, oh, you're doing it for me. You did it unto me. And see, serving others 
remind us. We can't forget how good he's been to us, how much he's changed us. We can't help but to be thankful. And it's so incredibly rewarding to know that when we serve others, we're doing it unto him. See, we open this morning with the story of Jesus and his disciples, the first dispute, right? And I'm kind of going to, I'm going to try to like make this last verse more of like a bookend as we close our third lesson today. Because the very last verse I read in Mark 10, 45 said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I think in all the stories and examples that were mentioned today, there's one very clear last lesson that we must talk about. And it's this, serving others will cost you something. There's no top secret thing in here that no one realizes serving others can be really inconvenient. Sometimes it can be really hard. It's going to cost us something. That's what makes it worth it, right? We gotta have skin in the game, but can, I, can we just pause here and just call out what is obvious? Sometimes the credit and the applause and the accolades and all the things, they feel really good. Sometimes serving others is, well, more times than not, it is inconvenient. It can get messy, it can get dirty, emotionally exhausting, going on journeys with people how Jesus did. Sometimes it's going to actually cost us our own money. Shout out to the parents in the room, and you know you ain't getting it back. You know you're not getting it back. It takes energy. And sometimes it doesn't even make sense. And the list goes on and on of all the reasons why it's hard to serve others and why we don't. Why we miss great opportunity that Jesus warns us about. Because it costs us something. But can I tell you today, serving others may cost us things like inconvenience. It's going to cost us something. But it costs Jesus everything. It says in that verse, to give his life as a ransom for many. We have a savior who paid it all for you and for me. There's no simply, there's just no better lesson than that. The cost he paid was the greatest known to mankind. One commentary said it was the complete expression of his service to us. To lay down his own life for us to be free, to live free. So that one day we can spend eternity in heaven and hear those famous words, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, it all begins and ends with serving others, doesn't it? Every part of it. And remember, when you do it, you do it unto him. He says to the least of these. You guys, the cost we pay, it pales in comparison to the cost that he already paid. And today as we close... I want to pray over you, if you don't mind, just where you are, bowing your heads. We're going to seal these lessons that we've learned through such you know, just the amazing, incredible life of Jesus while he was here on earth. So today we have learned we are most like Jesus when we are serving others. That's where we find true greatness. That's where we're reminded of his goodness and how he's changed us. And it does come with a cost. My hope today is that we've been challenged to continue building our family values on things that matter, things that last. And we can see that the cost is very much worth it. But I can't leave this place 
without wondering if there are people in this room or online thinking, you know, I, I hear you, Britt. I agree with everything you're saying about serving others. That is a great, great thing. But when you talk about a Savior who has come to die for me, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't, I don't know him like you know him. And for others, I think maybe you, you made a decision to follow Christ a long time ago, but if you're honest, you've kind of gotten away a little bit. Maybe it's been a while and you need a fresh start, a new beginning, and you want to build your life on foundations, values like this. Can I tell you today, if that is you, either way, I meant every single word about the cost that he paid for us. For you, for me, the Bible tells us that God sent his son Jesus to die for us so that our sins would be covered, so we'd be clean and by his grace we could live for him without guilt and shame. He rose and conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he longs to be on this journey with you and with me so that we're not doing life alone. So all over this place, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm the only one looking around. And if that's you and you're like, Britt, I, I, gotta, I need a fresh start. That is me today. I'm missing something. There's a void. And I know Jesus is going to be the one to fill it. Will you just wave at me? I just want to see who I'm praying for. I'm not going to thank you, thank you, do anything to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. All over this room, if you're online, put it in the chat. God is so good. He longs to do life with you. Anybody else? All over this room, will you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart today. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. And God, I want a fresh start. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who made a decision to follow Jesus? That's what it's all about. That's the first step to building a Christ-centered home. Amen. It's our mission here at Greenville First to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be. And I would never say a prayer and ask a question like that and just throw you to the wolves to figure it out all by yourself. We have a number on the screen that we would love for you to text. It's not for us to call and harass you and spam you to death. It's actually for us to connect with you so that you can receive a resource in your hand. You can do that when we connect with you digitally, or you can do it here in person at our connection centers today. We want to journey with you, and we are so proud that you've made that decision.